When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. From Sugar 23, I'm Angela Ledgewood, and this is Lit Up. I am definitely in a moment of transition. It's the fall. I am going back into the office full time. I don't know about you, but both of those things are both exciting, daunting. Some of you might be in lockdown if you're in Australia, so another huge transition there. We could all relate to you if that happened, you know, whether that's happening now or happened 18 months ago. But the guest I'm having on today will be able to help with all of that. Her name's Liz Plosser and she's a former friend. Well, I love that. A former friend. She's still a friend. She's a former colleague, a current friend, and she's also the editor-in-chief of Women's Health. So she has a wealth of knowledge about how to kind of live a healthy lifestyle, which is what we need. And she's written a book called Own Your Morning, Reset Your Routine and Unlock Your Potential. One of the things I just loved about this book was that it helps you look at how you're spending your time and how you're spending your money. And if those two things are reflecting the values you have in your life. And I think if I cut to kind of two years ago to now, my values have changed a little about what I want out of life. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I would love to know what kind of transition you're going through. And if this episode resonates with you, let me know at Lit Up Show on Instagram and Twitter. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Liz Plosser. Liz Plosser, welcome to Lit Up. Thank you so much. It is so wonderful to be here and to see your face. Well, it's brilliant to actually be in person. I have to mention that you are currently the editor-in-chief of Women's Health, a huge global brand. And I think particularly over the pandemic has been a lifeline for women all over the world. That is so, so special. But the reason you're here also is because you have written a book called Own Your Morning. So firstly, how did being editor-in-chief of Women's Health lead you to write Own Your Morning? Thank you. Great question to start with. It is, it's a perfect question because Own Your Morning really began as an editorial franchise in Women's Health. I started at the brand almost four years ago now, and I have really fallen in love with mornings and found that they have become a game changer in my own life. And so I had a 
a feeling that women's health readers would respond to it too. So we launched this column in the magazine, which is a one-page feature where we do a spotlight on a different woman every month. She could be a scientist, an actor, an athlete, an astronaut. I mean, it's all different career paths, which is cool. And that woman takes us through her day, starting from the moment she wakes up until she begins her work day. I loved editing that column every month, just voyeuristically seeing what the habits of different women were, and our audience just loved it and couldn't get enough of it. I've always wanted to write a book, but I didn't necessarily, I wasn't like looking for that at that moment. But once we decided to green light it, I felt like I had to be the one to write it. So I, I raised my hand and was like, I'll be the one. I want to do this. I love that it's not like you have enough to do, but you'll take <laughs> this on as well. But I want to go back because obviously this idea started with you and something that had transformed your own life. When was this crossover that started to happen when you decided to own your morning? Or was there something kind of work-wise, schedule-wise that forced you to take a look at your life in that way? So I, I share in the book that I was not always a morning person. I loved sleeping in on the weekends as a kid. I remember vividly my dad like knocking on my door, trying to get me up early before it got too hot in the summertime to go play tennis with him or go on a jog with him. And everybody in my family sort of chuckles that this is the book I have written. But really for me, that crossover moment happened after I graduated from college. And I, I think a lot of people can relate when you have a desk to be at at a certain time of day and you can't puzzle in workouts at the end of the day. It's like the flexibility of my life went away. And I quickly learned that if I didn't do things that were important to me before the workday began, that they probably weren't going to happen. And I didn't feel very good about that. I had sort of a yucky feeling in my stomach, more anxiety, those things would be hanging over me, I would feel bad. And when I started to build my mornings around the things that really mattered to me, I could show up better for my job, for my friends. I was just like a happier, sharper person all day long. So this journey with owning my morning began all the way back when I was 22 years old. There's an amazing phrase in the book that I'm going to repeat now. And you said that you are basically a toddler in an adult woman's body. This is, yes. It just made me laugh. I'm laughing at it because it is so true. I think, especially when I had children, I had new perspective on that. Taking them out into the world, if I hadn't fed them or brought all the snacks with me or the extra sweatshirt or rain jacket or whatever it was or made sure they used the potty, all these little things, they were just on the verge of a meltdown. And yes, as I was writing the book, it occurred to me, well, that's exactly how I am. <laughs> if I don't take care of myself and fuel up properly with coffee or have the right sweatshirt or leggings for a cold morning run, you know, do what I need to do to go show up and be my best self, then I too am on the verge of a meltdown and the things I want to do, they don't really happen. Well, I think too, so many women are great at prioritizing their kids' needs, their partner's needs, the work needs, and often that the thing that we need ourselves to be not off kilter falls by the wayside. And reading your book, it felt like it's not even owning your mornings. It's almost like taking back your control of your life. I, I love the way you just said that. And the great irony of that is you 
are so much better at showing up for those other people and really, you know, in my case, being the awesome mom who I want to be, the partner who my husband deserves, the team leader who my editors look forward to meeting with. When I take the time to fill myself up in the morning, I can go be so much better at all those things. Well, it made me reflect on different parts of my life, like when I felt like I had owned my mornings more and there was an experience. I broke my foot about two years ago before the pandemic because time has collapsed. And every morning I had to do this bone stimulator, which is a joke, Mm -hmm. but, but it was this contraption I had to put on my foot and it was only for 20 minutes and it counted down. And the doctor was very clear. He's like, if you want to run again, you have to do this at the same time every morning and just build that in. So I decided that at 8 a.m. I'd be ready kind of for the day, but I'd kind of make the coffee, have it sitting there, and I'd meditate for 20 minutes while my bone stimulator was doing its thing. And I, it totally transformed my mornings and my day and the thoughtfulness I had. And then I met someone and got into a relationship, which coincided with my foot getting better. But you can imagine that the morning routine was obliterated because I allowed it to be. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to talk to you about how certain transitions in your life, good and bad, are a moment to take a look at what is good in your life and what's serving you. That's so relevant right now as the seasons are changing. A lot of us have kids going back to school or we might be going back to our offices. So I think those sort of regular patterns of the year are a great time to check in. But you're also right that big life moments like getting pregnant, having kids, starting a relationship, going through a breakup, losing or leaving your job, all of those are moments to really self-reflect and think through exactly what you said, what's serving you, what could you add, but also what could you subtract. And I love that story because your your foot got healthy because of your awesome morning routine, which unlocked new doors and possibilities, like being able to meet your boyfriend and starting a relationship that really was important to you and that you were so happy in. And then it ebbs and flows, right? And that's normal. So your routine kind of went out the window, but you you understand that was good for me. That created great things in my life. And so maybe maybe it's not, hopefully you don't need the bone stimulator anymore, but maybe you do want the meditation. So there's a new way to build that in. And maybe it doesn't happen at 8 a.m. anymore. But I think you're right. Life transitions, the good, the bad, the seasonal, those are awesome times to reflect on. What are the behaviors, the actions that you want to take in the morning to set yourself up for a really great day? There's also, you share in the book that when you were at Soul Cycle, so you also had this crazy, wild, <laughs> amazing over there, yes. job, which I'd love you to touch upon briefly before you lead into um, this woman you met, Judy Goldberg, and how she informs your own life, but the book as well. So I have been in the health and wellness space for almost my entire career, mostly on the editorial side, but I left Self Magazine years back, 2016, to go to the brand side, to work for SoulCycle, which is a boutique 
cycling studio. I oversaw digital content and strategy for them, which was really cool to do it from sort of the other side of the wall. I went through a leadership slash management training program while I was there that was so incredible and so impactful in my life. And Judy was our instructor. And she took all of us through an exercise over the course of several days and actually several months because we met for a few days each month to really hone in on what our core values are. And so in the Own Your Morning book, Judy and I worked together to do kind of a condensed version of it. It's a chapter that's almost workbook style. So I take you through some some different pen to paper exercises. But the idea is to help the reader really learn and explore what their personal core values are. And so for me, that experience with Judy and with my colleagues at SoulCycle helped me realize that fitness is a huge, huge one for me. Not a surprise. I probably would have guessed that, but I learned how non-negotiable it is in my my life. Even if it's, you know, it doesn't have to be running five miles. It might just be stretching for five minutes, but moving my body in some way in the morning is a value that is really important and integral to me in my life. Family is another one. Collaboration and teamwork was another one that I found. So the idea behind these exercises is that once you've identified your personal core values, your next step is to think about the actions, behaviors, routines in your morning that reflect and bring those values to life. And like that's really the ethos of the book. Those are going to be different for every single person. And a lot of people who follow me on Instagram or know me think this book is going to be about fitness and you've got to like sweat for 45 minutes every morning. And it's not about that at all, actually. I celebrate the fact that there are so many different core values and each person's is unique. And that's like the beautiful thing about owning your morning is that everybody's is going to look very different. Something that you discovered that you just mentioned was that you loved collaboration and you were surprised at that, but only in terms of you knowing that you're an introvert and yet kind of finding that collaborating with others brings you a lot of energy. And just, I'd love you to just work through those steps of equating something with a core value, because I think that will help. Yes. So the way that collaboration and teamwork was illuminated as one of my core values was through the calendar exercise that Judy and I take you through in that chapter. And what you do is you, for a week, ideally, but at least for a day, do it on your Outlook calendar, on you know, on your phone or on your computer, or just put pen to paper and get really, really micro about exactly how you're spending your time and energy. So I learned through doing this, and you know, that was everything from I work out from six to seven. I, you know, I'm in my first meeting at 9:30 a.m. and go all the way through your workday. And it's not just I'm in a meeting, but like who is the meeting with? What is happening? I very quickly saw that the vast majority of my workday is spent in meetings with lots of people, sometimes smaller groups, but often big groups. And to your point, that did surprise me because I am an introvert. I mean, I, I have come to enjoy public speaking and doing fun things like these podcasts, but I like a lot of like quiet Liz time to reflect and brainstorm. And so I was like, what, this doesn't make sense. This isn't who I am. Why am I doing something wrong in my universe that so much time is spent in these social settings at work? And Judy and I talked about it and got a little more granular about what happens in those meetings, how do I feel, 
And the truth is that I love those meetings. Those are like invigorating, exciting. My brain is sparking with ideas. I feel my heart like soaring with like, we're going to do this thing and here's how we're going to execute this project. Um, And so it was through that process and getting really micro about exactly what's happening in those meetings and how I felt about it that I realized it didn't feel like work. It was something that energized me and um, made me feel alive and happy. And it was because I was with my team and interacting and sharing creative ideas. And so collaboration and teamwork, now that I've pinpointed that and worked through it with Judy, it's like, oh my gosh, of course. I grew up playing team sports. I, you know, I, I worked on the high school newspaper. Like I've always been drawn to those situations. But it's helpful to sometimes just recognize the obvious, which might not feel obvious until you go through one of these exercises. That particularly resonated with me, I think, and it will for so many people because we've had this sad, bizarre experience of being disconnected from our work teams and our family and the ways that we would usually get that boost of energy have been thwarted or are now through a screen. I think the situation of being isolated from work colleagues for so long But thinking about after those Zooms, reflecting on was that fun, why, who was in that meeting, what was the dynamic at play, and when something's off in a meeting, why is that? Yes. So much good stuff you said there. Maybe the meeting was off or you fell off because you didn't do your 20-minute meditation or maybe you were picking up on what I talk about in the book as Zoomergy or Slackergy, because there is real science that while it's not the same as an in-person interaction where we can really see each other's body language and facial expressions and hear the like the sighs or the the foot tappings or all all that below the surface information that's helping us pick up each other's energy. I'm fascinated and how we absorb one another's energy, we play off of one another's. Each person has so much power in a situation to bring good kind or sad kind. And that's not bad either. It's helpful for me to see team members face-to-face. And hopefully I, I am observant enough to pick up on the cues of somebody's having a tough day. And hopefully we've become kind of kinder, gentler humans and can like, you know, cut each other a break or ask somebody afterward, how are you really doing? I think it's also not necessarily about having a a happy or positive time necessarily, but what you said about being present. Mm -hmm. Like at work, I find if I can tell people are having side slack conversations while I'm in a meeting, it just drains all my energy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why would I want to be here? You have to control that in a room because the disrespect can start and it slides and even the people doing it I mean myself included sometimes it's like we don't (laughs) we don't want to be that person but bad behavior kind of breeds it in a team you're I think you're so right and I can tell when people are doing it and full disclosure I have done it myself and then all of a sudden you're supposed to be chiming in and you're like, I have no idea what question was just asked. Or, you know, you're just like fumbling a minute, which is so disrespectful. And then everybody, and that, yeah, that then snowballs and kind of the meeting 
goes to the wayside a little bit. It's it's hard though too, and I recognize that because we all we're on these devices all day and screens all day. Hopefully, we just get up every day and try to be kind to our colleagues and to ourselves, you know, and like you said, to be present. I think that's the best gift we can bring to any work meeting and to be respectful of other people's time. Now that we are hopefully going back into workplaces, even if it's this hybrid form, or I feel like it's this dual um, desperate to go back to some normalcy and see colleagues, but an anxiety about losing the the lovely things that have been gained from no commute. What strategies are you kind of gathering for this time that we're about to go into? So our readers have all different professions and some of them taking care of their families and their homes is their primary profession. We have many readers, or perhaps they tend to be some of the most active ones, who are in the medical community or educators. And so a lot of them have been working throughout the entire pandemic and have been showing up every day, which is a a whole different type of anxiety and stress that they've been under all this time. I could speak, I guess for myself, and you just heard me talk about how much I love the office and teamwork and like the energy of collaboration. I desperately miss being with them in real life and having my office to go to every day to focus on and kind of draw a line in the sand at the end of the day and come back to my family. On the other hand, I have seen my children grow up over the past year and a half and had all these experiences with them that I never would have without this forced pause. And that is in no way to glorify what has been a heartbreaking and devastating time. But for me personally, there there are parts of it that I want to take with me into, you know, whatever comes next. So my biggest hope is that I personally will continue to share kind of like the realness of my home life and not just be like editor-in-chief Liz at work. Because at this point, my team has seen some crazy stuff, you know, in the background of my my Zoom square. I remember early in the pandemic introducing the president of our division to our team. It was the first time she showed up to a team meeting and even put on like mascara and some lip gloss that morning. It was very, I was like showing up and we were going to have this great 30-minute conversation. And of course, as I'm introducing her, my six-year-old son, who is always running around on his iPad because he does remote school from it, he had a break in classes and wanted more time on Roblox, which is a game all these kids are playing. And he came up and like would not stop tugging on my arm and asking about it. And it was like so mortifying and like messed up my flow. And I just felt like so embarrassed. And then I just looked at the squares and like everyone was laughing and smiling. And like it was such a like this is real life and like our worlds are blurring. And so I kind of, you know, over the course of like 15 seconds – pivoted in my perspective and was like, you know what? Maybe this is a good thing. And that was definitely an inflection point for me in terms of like showing more of my life and just not like apologizing for it. And I feel the same with my teammates when I see, you know, their partners in the background or cats jumping around, kind of the mess of real life that hopefully when we get to see each other again, and I mean this across all industries and workplaces, we'll like keep some of that realness. And, you know, of course we have our work personas, which is important. You know, we show up and we have to be professional and do our jobs, but maybe we could continue to to show ourselves and what's happening. The BTS, the background stuff. 
Because this is about owning your morning, I need, we all need to know how Liz owns her morning. And then I just want to caveat to that because I obviously had read your book and this morning I was very much about owning my morning (laughs) and I'm doing a shift, but I didn't get up at 5.17. I got up at 6.30, fine, but I made tea and I kind of sat down to meditate a bit myself before going around the park. But you know what happened? I think for me, part of owning my morning in my mind is owning my morning alone. Mm. And of course, someone, my boyfriend, (laughs) pads out, like almost like someone like looking for like, wait, there's like fun happening out here. Right. It's like, this was meant to be my alone time. Right. Anyway, it was, you know, great. We had a cup of tea and I went for my kind of walk slash jog. But for you, is it really about this time to reflect and have kind of maybe the only time in your day where you have time to yourself? Yes, it, it definitely is ideally solo time, though I set my alarm for 5.17 a.m. Seven is my lucky number. I was born on April 7th, and I just like the energy of that number. Like, why not start your day with a number that's important to you, such a simple but massively impactful thing? I will also share that I am not waking up at 5.17 right now. My kids are not in school. I'm not in the office every day. So I don't have to. And I'm so I'm staying up a little bit later. But in normal times, that's when my day begins. And I'm off to the coffee pot pretty much immediately. And I pick a mug from my collection that makes me happy, usually a bright yellow one sometimes. And then pretty quickly after that, I'm off to the gym or I might meet girlfriends to do a jog around the park. Sometimes it will just be a quick stretch depending on that day. But moving my body always makes me feel really confident and calmer and more clear-headed. So those are all great things that I want kind of coursing through me as the day unfolds. Then I'm back to the apartment to be there when my kids get out of bed and to make them breakfast. I like being the one to help them and kind of chit-chat with them as they're waking up. And then off to the shower and getting ready for work. I try to do that even on work from home days to, you know, really begin the day and feel like I'm entering the work zone. And I should mention that my dog Willa is in the background through all of this. So at some point I've given her a walk. I fed her, taken her outside to go to the bathroom, you know, so Willa just kind of pops in and out of my morning. But that those are the things. They're not huge, long marathon workouts. Sometimes they're really short. They're not like lengthy, you know, hour-long, deep conversations with my kids. It might just be a quick like kiss and I love you as I'm handing them their toast. But I find that when I have some time with my family, I have some time to do my fitness and some time with my puppy, then I'm off to a really good start to the day. And your husband, when I'm like, where is he? I know, where's Matt and all of this? <laughs> Matt is not an early riser like I am. So, but he also stays up later at night. So we're kind of on different schedules with that, which works out for us. Don't worry, he he does 
plenty around the house and with the dog and with the kids. So he makes up for it later on in the day after I take over morning duty. Matt tends to get right into his workday. He is able to squeeze in a workout at midday or after work, which is just something I have never been able to do. So I, actually, that's a great example. He, he has his own morning thing that works really well for him, and it does not involve fitness. So I like to say that because I don't want anybody to feel like you have to work out to own your morning, though there's lots of awesome tips in the book if that is something you want to add to your day. The dynamic of living with someone and how those roles shift with children and different responsibilities is so interesting. And I'm sure that's what a lot of people have seen different sides of their partner during this crazy year and a half. But I guess any tips for like working mums and just this kind of happy family dynamic that you talk about, what have you learned about a happy marriage? I'm, I'm just cracking up because Matt, he also works from home full time right now, though he is also excited to hopefully start going back this fall. But we Our workstations are about three feet apart from one another. I'll show you a picture after this. So it's been an evolution, you know, from the early days when we were like, you type so loudly and um, like navigating the, well, I have a very important Zoom call and this is the best background, you know, so I get this zone and he'd be like, but I have a very important Zoom call right now. So it was... I'll just be honest, there were like pain points and I'm sharing some of the lesser pain points. But now we have worked out a good routine. You know, you know, we try every morning to talk about what's on tap for that day. So like I have X meeting at this time and we kind of like share our meeting schedules because for us with the space, that's important to know like, okay, I'm going to need to go into the bedroom and close the door and kind of set up a scene so I'm not like lounging on pillows during this call or whatever it might be. The other thing unexpectedly is that although we sit so close to one another, we are very much like in our zone and in our world, you know, aside from him like sliding over and waving hello to colleagues. And so we instituted a tradition very early on in the pandemic where we began taking about a one mile walk every evening. And for us, it was like, a time to connect the dots with what had just transpired in each other's work days. Because even though we're sitting next to each other, you don't, it's so easy to think like, well, I just, you know, I was with Matt all day, but no, you, you're not. And you're not, you're not paying attention to what they're doing. You're paying attention to what you're doing. So I didn't know how like his big presentation went unless I had that time at the end of the day to ask. So that's been really lovely. And we have been doing it you know, a year and a half strong at this point. And we just catch up on the day, talk about what happened at work, what's going on with the kids. And it's a beautiful, like, line in the sand to mark the end of the day, kind of like my subway commute home used to be. It just is like a transition so that we're not continuing to check our emails and do all the things throughout the evening. I love that. And sometimes taking yourselves out into a new environment, like just going into the street together, shifting is it it, like you said it's so simple but it makes a big difference and there's something about the routine almost your brain knows it has that so then you don't have to bug your partner I think that for so many people me included like when we were first during this you know when I had a moment's break from my meetings I'd go and 
tell Anthony, well, this happened, that, and he'd have to say, like, just because you're ready for yeah. a breath and a chat, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not. Right. And, like, you're kind of derailing my yes. day. And then you realize, oh, wow, no, we have to respect each other's space. Yes. But to know you kind of have a moment to come back, you can kind of save it for then. That is so true. That does help. And I have also learned because I am I am like you. I want to, if something has me hyped up, I want to like get his opinion or vent or whatever. I have learned to say, are you in a place you can talk about this for a minute before I just launch in? And because nothing feels worse to the person who's absorbing it, who's like, I can't. And I feel now I feel bad because you need me. And also to the person disclosing it, who's like, you don't care. This is important. So just ask first. Complete. Isn't it these tiny things you learn about how to coexist yes. respectfully and yes. happily? It's simple, but and important. I I should be clear. I am not the expert on all of that. I am learning every day, just like everybody else. But we have things have improved a lot on that front. Fortunately, <laughs> that's great. Well. One thing I loved reading your book is that something, a phrase kept coming up again and again, and it asks the reader, what lights you up? Ah, yes. And that's the question I ask every guest at the end Ah. of Lit Up. So I want to ask what, I'm going to ask you two things, because I think we need your perspective maybe more than other guests, (laughs) Um, but what lit you up this morning mm-hmm. and then what lights you up in your life? Well, this morning I tried an experiment because my book's coming out in a week and so I'm trying new things to make sure that my followers know about it and hopefully to reach some new folks who would be interested in it where I got on Instagram and I said, ask me anything. And I've been encouraged by a few friends to like explore this Instagram world a little bit more. This felt a little uncomfortable for me because I've kind of gone off the social media grid this summer. I took a much needed break from it and now I'm back, but in a more thoughtful, I think authentic way, which is feels really good and true to me. So it felt good to get on there and just be like Liz with bedhead and my hoodie, like walking my dog in the park and ask people. And then the the surprise of like the breadth of questions that started coming in so quickly, it really, it lit me up because it is very much what the book was about, that people were asking questions about fitness, about meditation, about journaling, about food, about family, just all the things that the book talks about and that I think about every day. So it made me feel very connected to this little community that I have on Instagram. And I'm excited to tackle those questions. And I was also grateful to feel excited about social media. What lights me up in general? I will, I'll share one that comes, has come to mind as we've been talking today, which is there is nothing that lights me up like when somebody connects with a piece of advice in women's health or hopefully something from Own Your Morning that helps them live a healthier, happier life. And I love that it's always something different, that there's no like perfect magic bullet for every woman or reader or man that's going to make them feel better, but that they get to explore and experiment and then they find the thing that lights them up in many ways. And I love that my job is to to help women 
have those moments. It's an awesome responsibility and honor that I get to wake up and do that every day. I know that was meant to be the last question, but I think it's <laughs> when almost like from the outside, it feels like you've found your purpose very clearly and right. that what lights you up is very connected to that. It's about helping people become healthier versions of themselves. Thank you for the condensed, articulate version of what I was trying to say. <laughs> but do you, do you feel that you have landed in that place? And then as a Liz, how, where do you go from there? Oh, so I think you're right. It, from the outside, my career path now looks very linear. But I would say, I would describe it as a zigging and a zagging. But I started in investment banking and... I, I've been all over the place and I went to straight digital media on the brand side. And all of this is to say, could I have imagined landing in this place? Well, the truth is, Angie, went back back in the day when I was 22, just beginning to own my mornings and working in investment banking, I knew that that was not my life's passion. And I became really committed to talking to people and soul searching to figure out what I was meant to do with myself. And... I signed up for a marathon and began training with a group of strangers in Central Park and got to know them and was sharing more and more about myself over those runs. And there was one Saturday morning that I showed up at the, the long run. We were doing 15 miles that day. And as we started, you know, taking our steps through the park, I shared that I'd actually had a dream the night before that I was the editor-in-chief of a health publication. So... It is crazy. I know. I like, so could I imagine myself being here? I mean, that was like a crazy dream. I did imagine it. It was in a dream. But I, I share that story because I think there is much power in talking about your dreams out loud and, and sharing them as wild and ridiculous as they might feel to you. I'm, I wouldn't go to, so far as to say that I like manifested it that night or the next day by sharing it, but I do believe that by saying it out loud, it, it made me get really clear about where I wanted to go in my career and that I was going to do anything to pursue it. And I think if you follow your passions and you work really hard, that magical things do happen and you might end up at places you didn't even dream of or the place you did dream of. But... I think that that's, that's how it all begins. And it, I, it was very hard at the time, even though I was 22, but like leaving this, you know, great paying job and I was on the up and up in finance and I could like see that world opening before me and taking that leap of faith and trusting that like, if I really, if I really, really love something, then chances are you're going to be really, really good at it and work really, really hard at it. And then amazing things will happen. But yeah, the second part of your question, what's next or where do you go for, from here? I I feel like even at Women's Health, I am so excited by all the ways the brand is growing and the new ways that we can reach women. So even though I'm at the same brand and I've, you know, now I've had I've had a few years to get to know my audience and my my team. There's there just feels like so much to do and to experiment with and to explore. And that's like one of the wonderful things about working in media and at a, a brand like Women's Health. We we already have so many readers, but there's so many more who I want to reach and to help them live healthy, healthier, happier lives. So I don't even know what's going to come next for Women's Health. We have so many smart, brilliant editors on our team that like every month, week, day, things are changing and new, exciting 
things are happening at the brand. So it feels really good to be there. So how can we follow along to see how you and other people are going to own their mornings, but also I think to get a glimpse into your life. Okay. So you can follow me on Instagram at Liz Plosser. I would be thrilled if you would share how you own your morning so that I can spread the love and inspire other folks who want to own their mornings. You can use the hashtag own your morning and you can follow the women's health brand at women's health mag, or you can visit us online at womenshealthmag.com. And of course, pick us up on the newsstand at any bookstore, airport or grocery store. Liz, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Angela. It was wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Liz Plosser. Her book, Own Your Morning, is available now and you can get it on our website, lituppodcast.com. I'm so excited to share who is going to be on next week's episode. It's Reeves Weiderman, and he wrote this phenomenal uh, article that went completely viral a few weeks ago called The Spine Collector, which was about this thief and impersonator who's taken the book world by storm by, you know, pretending to be someone's agent, the author themselves book scouts, someone who's been trying to get early manuscripts for about five years and tricking people all over town. So can't wait for this conversation. Tune in. See you next week. Lit Up is a podcast from Sugar23. It's hosted by me, Angela Ledgewood, and is produced by Liam Billingham. Mike Mayer and Michael Sugar are the executive producers. The theme music is by Andre Rodofsky. Please make sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Until next time, bye everyone. When you visit Arizona, Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.